The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. The PRO, Public Relations Officer Boy, for the Guess Which Party. I'll just give you his name, Mr. Kirk Mayhew. Did I get that correct, Kirk Mayhew? Doctor Kirk Mayhew. Doctor, you see, they didn't tell me that. I'm a mister. I like to handle people's name. He has a PhD. We'll talk more. We take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we talk in budget. We have at least 20 minutes to discuss this. 25 at best. You know what's supposed to be here earlier with me? Yeah. You run out late. How the traffic is outside? No, no. I was here the whole time. I listened to your whole conversation there. You did? Yeah. So where were you? I didn't see you. I was out in the lobby. But I came out there. I was there from... from I four, had a guess earlier. 4.56. <laughs> oh, 4.56. Okay, cool. Because I had a guest earlier. <laughs> and I and only left. I was out there and it was empty. So I was like, well, you know, I was just waiting. But thanks very much for being here. We take a quick break. When we come back, we chat with Mr. with Dr. Kirk Mayhew as we discuss budgetary concerns for 2023-2024. The opposition's take on it. Stick and stay. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. We have consistently recognized the importance of an educated society for growth and development. Our educational institutions have been creating a pool of individuals capable of charting the future in a growing economy. Some with entrepreneurial spirit have been able to set up companies and create jobs as employers. In the process, the quality of life of our citizens has been consistently improved. We are now living in a knowledge-based economy and are pursuing an education system that is modern, relevant, technology-driven, and accessible to all. With a digital transformation agenda, Wi-Fi access in schools is being expanded. The e-book platform is transforming teaching with more interactive learner-centered approaches and increasing the number of candidates utilizing the e-testing system. We remain particularly disturbed at the untenable level of murders within our society. Crime and violence, crime and violence remain pressing and troubling problems that severely undermine our citizens' welfare. Since we assumed office in September 2015, we have sought to contain and combat serious crimes in our country. At the top of our crime-fighting agenda is equipping law enforcement with state-of-the-art tools. In addition, accelerated levels of police training improve police performance. We envisage that crime and public order will be effectively addressed within this framework, and public confidence in law enforcement will be appropriately enhanced. Further, the total number of active police officers is constantly affected by mandatory retirement or resignation of officers from the service and by the number of officers on vacation or other forms of leave. Accordingly, to bring the police service back up to full strength, we have mandated the Commissioner of Police to triple the intake of police recruits in 2024 from the usual annual intake of 300 recruits a year to 1,000 recruits in 2024. Welcome to the Overdrive, Overdrive with, with Davey, Davey, the most electrifying. 
Impartial, educational, and entertaining show on radio. radio. The Overdrive with Davey on Freedom 106.5 FM. Speak your mind. Once again, good afternoon, children and Tobago. 25 minutes on the upswing to the hour of 6 o'clock. Dr. Kirk Mayhew is in studio with me, and he is the PRO for the United National Congress. And he's here to give his the opposition's view on the budget. I don't know. You, I played two clips for you, right? Mm-hmm. One pertaining to education, and the other, crime and security. I want to talk health as well. Mm-hmm. I want us to talk, doctor, in a manner and a language. It's a thing I just always say. Let the man in the taxi be able to relate to our conversation this yeah. afternoon. Agreed. Let's talk about what you just heard briefly. Mm-hmm. The budget was read. What is the opposition's, in a summary, very briefly as you can, because we're limited for time. What is their take on it so far? Well... <laughs> You see, we, we have to even take a step back. Um, but if, if, if we were to just talk about this budget as a standalone, um, the, the program they offered is nowhere near um, what is needed. There, there was, uh, what they talked about education is nowhere sufficient. What they talked about crime is nowhere sufficient. Water, um, it, it, nowhere sufficient at all. <clears throat> and then... And then even if you dig deeper, the statistics and so forth they used are not accurate. So when you don't have a proper diagnosis, how can you have a proper solution? That's one basis. But then if we step back, mm-hmm. this is the eighth, ninth budget presented That's by this correct. government. And they have a track record now. And we see that whatever they say in October, by... November, they forget it. And they spend how they want, don't spend how they want, and then they come with what they call a midterm uh, uh, review. Review. And they, everything changes and nothing... For instance, when they you know, decided to give... What, they announced $500 million for agriculture. Nothing was given. Uh, and they, it, it is just... Uh, it is pie in the sky. It, it, it is just hot air that makes us discuss things that are not going to be implemented and instead we have what we call a secular trend a, a we, we we have a path that the country is on already no matter what they say or don't say um and that path unfortunately has been one of decline uh, we we had we had reached a peak in our real gdp which which for the man in the taxi means how much how rich we were as a country mm-hmm. in real terms, right? Because remember, $100 today is not the same as $100 in 2015. No doubt. Right? For real. Uh, if, when you go to the grocery, when you go to the fuel pump, right? So inflation. So when you adjust for inflation, that the highest earning we made in the history of Trinidad and Tobago was 2014, right? And, and we have been going backward, backward, backward since then. And right now, when you compare the real earning power, what we really make, the real GDP, which is gross domestic product. Gross domestic, right. We are at 2006 levels. That's how 
That's how terrible, how backward we, we've become. And this is not the first time in our country that we face this. I, I, I want to just put this in perspective, and, and hopefully this will be a kind of educational thing for, for, the, for the people. So it's, it's not just something about political back and out mm-hmm, and back mm-hmm. and forth. <clears throat> when we were independent in 1962, we had the same GDP level, so the economic level, we were as rich as... Hong Kong and Singapore, for example, richer than many other countries, richer than Portugal, richer than Spain, on a per capita basis, meaning for the amount of people we had had in the country to what our our GDP was. That's right. That's correct. We were richer than many of of Mm -hmm, those countries. mm -hmm, Some mm -hmm. first world countries we were richer than. And then let's say, because people like to use Singapore, and I'll use Hong Kong because it's very similar. They're both island states. um, And so we, so from 62 until 82, those 20 years, the first 20 years of our independence, we had the same GDP for all that time. So we were as rich as those countries. And we had our oil boom, we developed, we built Point Leases. And it was, so we had that there. And then when the oil crash happened in 82, 83, we lost everything <laughs> all those gains and you know when we got when we reached back to our 1982 level it was the year 2000 so we lost the period of 1982 to 2000 we basically just we lost it and we we got back to where we were so in 2000 we were back to 82 whereas hong kong and singapore has been sustainable up, and they went up and they shot, shot up and, right. and, and we can't even see them anymore we can't even pretend to reach to close watch, to them yeah, or to watch them at this for, point, real, for right? real for real but but that that rise from the it was had happened started in the 90s mm-hmm. right and so then it went up in 2000 and we were going very very uh, high to uh, to record gdp levels to the point where we reached in 2014 higher than we ever were in, in previous years that's right and then now we're back to the same kind of thing that happened during the 1980s. And I don't know how old your listenership is. Uh, some of the older listeners may remember, and if not, you can, they can ask their parents. Mm-hmm. People would, they, not only were they losing jobs, some people would go to the bank, just give, drop the keys to the home. and because There was nothing else they could do. They couldn't pay their mortgages. Businesses shut down. Uh, it, it was a huge economic dislocation, um, and and this is the state we are in now. And the and instead of facing reality, the minister of finance comes and keeps congratulating himself. Every year he'll try to fool the people. We're turning around the corner. I can see clearly now. Um, we have six game changers. How can you tackle a problem when you don't admit it? How, and this is a serious problem, a very, very, very serious problem. But that's just on the finan- that's, that's one on the financial sector. After mm-hmm. speaking with um, Mr. Mariana Brown yeah. and uh, Karen Unesi-Shera uh, pre-budget, mm-hmm. we discussed that this was much ado about nothing. It's, you cannot have a budget based on the GDP that you do not have. You, you right. just can't spend what you're not earning. That's right. All right, so your, traje- your trajectory for a 61 or $60 billion budget when your earning capacity is somewhere about $48 billion. Correct. So where are we getting the other $10 billion from? Borrowing. We just So we borrow. just continuing to right. borrow and owe and, and they, owe. And last week it was, he boasted that we just borrowed and, and we successfully raised 
Um, I can't. How much was it on the bond market? I can't remember the quantum. But but we just went to the bond market, international bond market. And, All right. And we, re- but that was to pay off earlier debt. So that's like if somebody have a credit card, exactly, and they couldn't pay it off, and that credit card was maybe eighteen percent, and then they went and get a credit card at twenty five percent to pay off to pay the off eighteen percent. That's right. So that's what. And persons don't understand that. That so is then, what happened. So then, all right. So we're pulling back a little bit yeah. now. And let's talk a little bit about the rise in the, the, the age limit at 65 right. years. You know, how is that going to affect the common man on the ground? Dealing with an age factor, knowing at the age of 65, I have an extra five years that I have to put in work for, especially with some companies that at 60, you are retired. That's right. Well, we are against that as a mandatory um, if somebody wants to work to 65, uh-huh. we have no problem. But that's a that. personal choice. It can't be right. forced upon you. Yeah, so we, we do not agree that. The government wants to force this on people. But when people entered into their job contracts, when they entered into this, uh, put money into the system, it was with the understanding that they would retire at 60. Mm-hmm. And there is a social contract. There is a promise. You can't just change the terms like that. That's changing the terms of employment. So I, there may be some sort of industrial uh, legal challenge that may come out of this because it is changing the terms of one's employment right? because it, it, it was Yeah, because, I mean... Uh, yeah. okay. I'm, I'm at, you know, you're 59... You're ready to retire next year with your family. You have all your plans. You dreamt about this from the time you were 50. And then they tell you you have to work the next five years. That is, that is thievery because that is exactly what it is. But is, is, is it wrong? Yes, absolutely. It's but wrong. why? Why would it be wrong? Could legislation be uh, be put in place to extend this? Give you this extra five years? Could something be done? Well, that that is that if it is mandatory. We believe it's it's wrong, and it will be tested in the courts. If you have an agreement that I will work until sixty, and that was the implicit agreement when when everybody went to work, that is the implicit agreement that you both entered into. One side cannot just change the terms unless the other side agrees. So if the other side agrees, okay, you know what, I'll go to sixty-five. Yeah, get because a little... one of the things, one of the positives we can look at. I don't know if this is if this is practical for you to think about, but um, by you working an extra five years, your contributions will continue. That's right. Which will put, which will put more funding into That's the NIS right. um, and, pension scheme. And not scheme. only that, there are some people. Right, I know personally many people when they retire, mm. they go crazy. They don't know what to do because their work was their life. There yeah. are people like that, and I understand. And 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 retirement is almost like death to them. You understand? Because it's like their life meaning was in their work. So if you want to do that, fine. Allow it to be optional. That's right. Exactly. You know, but then there are other people who really want to just get out of that because they, you know. They've had enough. That's right. They've had enough. My friends, my friend's dad worked in the insurance agency for a number of years and was looking forward to his retirement. But he had a problem with that. Mm. At the age of 60, he retired and was dead by 61. Oh, gosh. Mm Mm-hmm couldn't travel, couldn't do anything. So even pushing the boundaries beyond 60, a person may never see a dollar from that fund. And, and, and this is the sinister part of it because, um, you know, there are people who just look at numbers and don't see the people behind the numbers and the figures mm-hmm. and say, oh, we may have less people to pay out. Well, you understand? I, and so then I'm they thinking. say to so the accounting now, 
is well it's better because now we have more people we don't have to pay that person because he's dead that is that is cruel evil you know that so then what is the opposition's <coughs> position in terms of rebutting this well our, our position well we are we do not support it right and uh, we just put something up on our facebook page for uh when the nib recommendation was made in february was it last year i believe it could be February this year, February last year, and we immediately responded that we are against it, and that uh, if it is, if we are against it as a mandatory mm-hmm. um, provision, but if voluntary, we are fine, with, fine it. with it. But and that has to be a personal choice. That's right. It has to be a personal choice, and we believe that there can be a legal challenge to it because what you it's only one side revising the terms of agreement when you signed your employment contract. This budget that was presented to us again would have seen uh, an increase of $3 on minimum wage. How do you think that would affect the uh, business sector, especially the small and medium enterprises who now have employees? Do you think it, they will, it will um, lead to some layoffs or less hours in the work? Would that $3 make a difference? It's, it's, it's hard to say uh, across the board. Um, <clears throat> we, we do think that... Uh, we, we understand that with the small and medium businesses, that can be a, a uh, major increase in expenses. However, um, the cost of living is, has just been so high um, uh, in terms of the increase in fuel prices, increase in um, grocery and foodstuffs, um, uh, that, that a... I mean, what the the point the leader of opposition had made was that when you take the uh, seventeen dollars an hour and you um, multiply that by forty hours a week, it it's less than an old age pension. It is. Yeah. So it, it is, is less than an old age pension. Listen, a monthly pay is le- is almost close to that. Yeah. Because when we do the calculations, right? Uh, and I had it on my I had it uh, properly well documented here, and. Uh, Doctor, if you can permit me, I'll mm, tell you sure. the figures that we came up with. When you check it at $140 a day, that is working for $17.50 at an eight-hour shift. Yeah. We multiply that by six days a week. We come up with $840, right? Now, this is just a, yeah, this yeah. is $840 to sustain yourself for a week. Then you multiply that by four weeks in a month. That is not what the pension or the, the old age grant is about. That is right. This is $3,360 mm-hmm. and we haven't removed NIS and health charge from that figure as exactly, yet. Exactly, exactly. I mean, and you know, there's a, there's a phenomenon. Right? So you have the, the unemployed, you know, and, and, and those poverty people, but there's, there's a phenomenon called the working poor. Mm. And there are more and more of these people in society. You're working the whole day and you still can't make ends meet. You can't send your children to school. You cannot afford a vehicle. Um, you, you, you cannot af- afford a, a place with enough space for you and your family. But at, at a figure like this, you can't even attain a house That's to right. HDC. Not at all. Not at all. I am so sorry I didn't get you here the time we were supposed to get you, you know, because Damn it, boy. We, we missed it Eastern Standard Time. Yes. Pacific. <laughs> I don't you know, know how that should There is happen. so much that we need to discuss, and I would like the producers to bring you back and let's sit down at least for 45 to a better part of an hour sure. and truly go through this thing. Because, because even the education. Right? I'm, 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 I'm now getting yeah, to that. I, I want to ask you, you know, has enough been done with education? I, it, 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 is, it, it, it would be laughable if it were not tragic. I would want to laugh if I didn't want to cry. You know, when, when he's... We had a laptop program 
for every UNC. school. Yes, the yes. UNC for every child who went into secondary school. We were on the leading edge in the world, Trinidad and Tobago, in the world in terms of the digitization of classroom and IT. And that was quite back in 2015. And, and we had a whole system uh, we had already tested out. We had the pilot programs in certain classrooms about digital classrooms, about not having to buy books. It would be on. And then we were go- for the primary schools, we we're going to have tablets instead. And you put the textbooks there. And then you'd have these digital uh, classrooms instead of a whiteboard. But then, but then here's my question to sure. you. Given what is happening with our GDP and, and, and the decline with, our, with the oil and the prices in the U.S. market, how sustainable would that have been? to carry, to follow through on it, because digital because, equipment because, fail. Well, we, th- you see, we don't believe that that would have been, it's properly considered an expense. That's an investment. Because, because the children, the education, the innovation, th- the people would then be an economic resource. The, okay. uh, we, we, we would then stop. Okay. So just like how you yourself, mm-hmm. you have a business from your own mind. You have your Bling, bling, bling My, my Wedding. I, I just heard about you going to Jamaica. Congratulations. Thank That's you. amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. I look forward to it. You know, and, and how you know, more and more people be, uh, becoming entrepreneurs and not just, as you said, not just looking for a job, but creating creating jobs, jobs. Right? and that that is the vision because we need to have more people creating more jobs creating more foreign exchange you're going to get foreign exchange from this thing yeah. in jamaica yeah. that is that is where we need to go we need to make more and more um uh, entrepreneurs well then, all right. and, and, and I mean we definitely I definitely gonna lobby for you because uh, the conversation is one let me ask you this sure. question I mean I don't know how lo- how long let me let me just mm-hmm. c- um, for the benefit of those who don't know, have you been with the UNC? Me personally, I've been with the UNC since 2020, so not that long. Okay, but I've been on the political scene uh, you for know, some I, time. That's because right. one of the things I you, you with one one can agree is that from one political party to the next, one government to the next, what usually happens is when an initiative is ruled out, and for some reason they are voted out. When the incumbent or the incoming party comes into governance, they tend to shelve what was done. Even if it was beneficial for their people, they allow politics to play the better part of the day. I I have to um, make a political point here. I agree with you. And that this is is certainly something that this government has done and, and it's been terrible. I... Our government did keep positive programs, whether it be CPEP or, or, or whether it be the special purpose companies and so forth. And, you, you know, in terms of that, I think the best decade we ever had as a country was the 1990s. And, and one of the things is that as the NAR moved into the PNM, moved into the UNC, that did not happen. Right, so the the PNM built upon the economic reforms of the NAR, and then they um, divested, and then they got in, investors into point leases, and they got Atlantic LNG. Then when the UNC came in, um, they expanded LNG, and then we got more trains, and and so that decade, even though we had changes of government, mm-hmm. um, the national interest was put above partisan politics and what looks good for one party, and that person might get credit if you get. No, we were looking out for the interests of our country, and this is what we need 
we need to do. Um, we we will not shut down programs that are valuable for the country. That well, is shooting ourselves in the well, foot. Well, I'll be very practical and honest with you. For me, I have not been hearing the noise. And I'm not talking about the political noise. I'm talking about the patriarchal noise coming from the camp of the UNC. Because while we face a, dis a dismal situation under the PNM, when the opportunity arises, I, to me, I, I don't know if it's secretly, I don't think everything is supposed to be for the public, but I'm not hearing that noise where we can see country first rather than political party being first coming from the camp of the UNC. So it almost, is, it almost um, comes across as though we do not have a viable alternative even though we, are, we desperately want one. We want to get away from the PNM, but can the UNC give us a sustainable lifestyle where we can revisit what is known as middle class because middle class gone, you know, Doctor. Exactly, Mayhew. middle class is no longer there. And, and and under the UNC, the middle class had been expanding Ex greatly. You know, and, middle and, class is gone. And our and 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 we we had a whole slew of uh, uh, that we still stand by, but in our 2020 manifesto of engine growth throughout the country. Let, let me just quickly. Uh, yeah, we just have a few yeah, yeah. minutes. So we had a biotechnology manufacturing core plan for the East-West cor uh, East Corridor, digital innovation park at Sevilla in Coover. In Plymouth, we had an international cruise ship marina plan. In Tobago, we had uh, the first locally branded hotel. In St. Madden, we had the sugar manufacturing facility planned out. In Westport of Spain, we had the Trinidad Creative Arts and Street Area. In Point Galeota, we had the Energy Logistics Hub. In Tamina, we had a solar tech renewable energy park. In Piaco, we had Aircraft Maintenance Repair and Operations Hub. In Cedrus and Maruga, we had Southwest Peninsula Economic Zone. In Eastport of Spain, we had Steel Pan Manufacturing. <laughs> At Brecon Castle, we had Agro Processing Complex. So we had this whole plan for development in every area of the country. Every area. that, And all these are foreign exchange earning, and, and they are economic hubs out of which many other small businesses would feed into and benefit from. And, and this is the type of thing we would have been doing in a lower crime environment. Having you here this afternoon and getting that information, I said, I, Davey Murray is telling you, I am going to ask if the powers that be can bring you back. We need to talk a little more because what I just heard there, I'm now hearing something. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing something. Because for the life of me, I was not getting the noise. Mm -hmm. Folks, it's a wrap for this afternoon. I want to thank Dr. Kirk Mayhew for being here this afternoon with us. We no doubt we'll have to get him back sometime in the not-too-distant future where we can continue our post-budget conversations and truly bring, bring us up to speed with what is happening in the camp of the UNC as a viable alternative to this. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5.